Let's go to Danny up next on the fan. What's up, Danny? Hey, how are you? Hey, man, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Hey, um, I I just have a, a thought that I've been thinking about when it comes to this Browns season and the playoff run and all that. Yeah. You know, it, I'm going to enjoy every single moment of it, no matter how far we go and what we end up doing. But I just can't help but think about the fact that, you know, take, take for example, if we had our beginning of the season roster and Nick Chubb stays healthy and Deshaun Watson turns out to play really well all season and we make this run, and even if we fall short and end up in the divisional round or the AFC championship, you've got that excitement built for the next year because you think all these guys are returning. You've got several mm-hmm. guys under contract. We can do it again next year, kind of like the Chiefs and the Eagles. You automatically assume them being in it next year. So yeah. even if we make a big run with Joe Flacco, we know Joe Flacco is not going to be our starting quarterback next year. And it's almost like a one and done. So even if we make it to the AFC championship or the Super Bowl, it's like, yeah, hey, if we fall short, darn. But then we also have to think, mm. well, we start all back over next year because this isn't going to be our team next year. It's going to be back yeah. to when you, isn't there just a part of you that thinks, man, I would love to see this same run with a healthy Nick Chubb and a healthy Deshaun Watson and know that we can bring it back and do it again next year. I mean, that's the, that's the thing, Danny, it's empty calories and I appreciate you. That's, that's kind of the, that's gotta be the part that every Browns fan is battling with, right? You're excited because they're going to go to the postseason. You're excited because you have guys like me telling you that you can beat the chiefs. You can beat the Jaguars. You, any, any team you play in the AFC, you have a legitimate chance against and that's a very exciting thing. There's no doubt about that. But that does hang in the back of your mind. The idea that, and this is honestly part of why I have such hesitation when it comes to crowning Stefanski or whatever way you want to put it. As much as I like Kevin Stefanski, the job isn't really finished when it comes to Stefanski showing us that he can do it with Deshaun Watson. That job is still getting started. And isn't that the most important job he was supposed to have entering this year? Do it with do it with Deshaun. Show us that you can do it with Deshaun. That was like goal number one, objective number one. If you made a to-do list, the very top is make people believe I have a connection with Deshaun Watson and we can make this thing work. And unfortunately, it's going to be another offseason of entering wondering and doubting and, and thinking, is this going to be it? I think a couple things have happened because of this Joe Flacco run, though. I know you're telling me he's not going anywhere for three years because of the contract. It's all guarantee. I understand that. I think the leash with Deshaun Watson has become shorter because of what we've seen with Joe Flacco. If you have to hire somebody that is not as talented as Deshaun Watson and pay Deshaun Watson the guaranteed money, then you need to do what you need to do, but you can't let Kevin Stefanski's coaching genius go to waste. You can't let what he's doing with this coaching just completely go poof up in smoke. You got to give him a chance because this team is constructed to win right now. It was constructed in the first place to win with Baker Mayfield and to have Baker Mayfield be hitting his peak stride, which, oh, by the way, last weekend, Baker Reagan Mayfield did something no quarterback has ever done in NFL history, which is go into Lambeau Field and put up a perfect passer rating. But this team was constructed to be at its apex right now. Because you got to go back five years to when Baker was drafted. That was the idea. 
Miles Garrett sitting at his apex right now. Denzel Ward sitting at his apex right now. All these guys, it was all supposed to culminate in this season, and the Browns tried to do this swap, which is fine. I don't begrudge him for it. It was the right move. They tried to go ahead and get a better quarterback. But yes, you're right. You're right. At the end of the day, you're right. That's got to be the fear in the back of people's minds. I don't think people are worrying about it right now, though. I think you're along for the good times. I think I think right now you're it, – it, it might sound a little – a little penny wise and pound foolish, so to speak. You know, it might it might find it might seem a little bit like uh like when you eat that that big pizza and you're like, oh man, I'm gonna have to pay for those with the calories later, but I'm gonna let future me worry about those calories. Kind of feels like that, right? I'm gonna enjoy the good time and then I'll think about the other scenario, the less fun scenario in the entire offseason that we have to think about these type of things. And I wonder how quick that's going to turn for a lot of Browns fans. I really do. I, I, I really wonder that. How quick it's going to turn where all of a sudden we're thinking about those type of, well, what do we have with Deshaun? What do we have with Stefanski and Deshaun? How can this work? How can we make this work? Why is it that Stefanski has been so good with Flacco and was so good right away with Flacco, but then Deshaun isn't that way? In half the amount of games that Deshaun has this year, Joe Flacco has the same number of touchdown passes and 200 fewer passing yards. That's not supposed to be reality, guys. It's not what's supposed to happen. 216-474-0092. Daryl up next. What's up, Daryl? What's up, man? I want to talk, I want to talk to I want to talk to JP when the time comes. Is this JP? It's me. You got me. Hey, hey what's up, man? Just Daryl from Walton Hills. Hey, man, did you cover up your tub tree with plastic for the winter? Did I cover up what? Your tub tree. What do you call it? What'd you call Nick it? Nick Tub Tree. Remember, I called you weeks ago. We talked about our Tub Tree. Nick Tub, you go. We go up in the summertime. We all pick our chubbies, man. When we looking for Nick Tub to come back and all that stuff. It was a, it was a uh, subject you had last week. But this one I want to talk Darryl, about. Daryl, I, I was in Puerto Rico last week. I have no idea what you're talking about. It was a couple weeks ago. We was talking about Nick Tub. Was his salary worth it? Oh, was his you know salary so worth it? Oh, okay. Daryl, I got to be honest with you. We all got chub trees, man. We want that, you know what I mean? But, you know, but, hey, it is what it is. Anyway, listen, man. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. I all right. I asked you, did you, did you cover up your Nick Chubb tree for No, us? honestly, Everybody. what I thought you were getting at was the idea that I, cov- I covered up my faucets because I got very concerned. It was like a big worry for me for a month is that I, I had to cover up my faucets so my pipes didn't freeze. And I'm like, Daryl, how'd you know I needed my pipes not to freeze? That's honestly oh, no, where my head went. Man. I remember your call now. It took me a little bit. I remember your call now. But I kept right. thinking, I'm like, I'm like, Daryl, how did you know? Did I consult you on this and me not remember? Man, don't tell me that. I'm going to go play the lottery now. <laughs> but yeah, come up our trees, man. We start picking chubbies around about mandatory uh, training camps. Now, look, this is what I want to talk about, that that romance that Joe Flacco, well, you know, uh, uh, Joe Flacco has with tight ends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, over his career. When, when he was saying he he has a romance with the tight end, you know, and that's like a security blanket. Oh, and, and you, you know, know who else has a romance with the tight end is Stefanski. Oh, oh that's right. Oh, so it's all planted, man. You know what? That's why I'm glad y'all on radio and I'll be sitting here watching the games. And you know that's right because look how that young man Njoku and them tight ends is getting that ball in guaranteed form and guaranteed motion. You know what I mean? That, and mm-hmm. it's consistent, really consistent. So did he play? He played with Todd Heat. Well, Todd Heat wasn't it? Who's the tight end over there in Baltimore with um with uh Flacco? Was it Todd Heat? Yeah, uh, yeah, he had he had a couple different ones though. Yeah, but he always made them shine. You know what I'm saying? So that thing that we got going right there is beautiful. I like his passing, what he's doing. He's an old man, he can see it. And then as for our running game, our running game ain't gonna be sufficient as it was a couple weeks ago because we got any many mighty moles 
on the front line now. <laughs> I like you know that. Mean? Like, catch one and, and put him in. You know, I mean, you know how that go. Any, any, any more catch a blocker, a guard, or pull a tackle by his toe. So the running game ain't going to be as, as sufficient as it was in the past couple games, as sufficient as it was. So people need to understand that. So we need to get the running game. Okay, we'll get it going as we can. You know, but right now with the guys that's in there, I'm sure they don't know the calls or this or that or that way they go best up. So the running game ain't going to be that good. But I just want to say, man, that's a good thing we got going with Flacco and them tight ends. And our run game going to be all right, y'all. Let's just get yeah. enough that we can get enough, man. So, yeah, keep up the good work, JP, man. We'll be, I'll call you back sometime, check on, see how your chubbies is growing in, in the coming <laughs> weeks. Happy New Year. You got Merry it. Christmas, bro. Thank you, Daryl. Merry Christmas yeah. to you, man. Happy right. holidays. Yeah, that's right. Mackenzie always jokes with me. She's like, the NFL is oddly sexual in nature. And then and then we get calls like that. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Kyle Bowler was the quarterback when Todd Heap actually made the Pro Bowl for the Ravens. He was the quarter, he was the tight end with Joe Flacco because he was there for a million years, right? But 2002, 2003, when he made the Pro Bowl, there was a, it was a, a weird collection of quarterbacks that Baltimore had in that little stretch there. It's a weird collection of quarterbacks. Run game's got to get going. 18 carries, 29 yards last week against Chicago. Nobody is saying that's acceptable. The tight end connection. Stefanski loves his tight ends. And Joe Flacco's made not only Njoku into this great, awesome tight end in recent weeks, which we always knew was there. Harrison Bryant's looked much better. Harrison Bryant was on a milk carton for weeks on end. Most notable thing Harrison Bryant had done this year up until Joe Flacco got in the equation, was have the ball tipped off his hands with the interception that Deshaun threw in the Pittsburgh game on the opening drive. That was the most notable thing that he'd done. And now all of a sudden, he's back in the mix. All right. Leave that there, though. We got a Cavs game to get to. Cavs just wrapped up this one against the Jazz. 124-116. I'm not going to spend all day on it. I do want you guys to hear from J.B. Bickerstaff. I want you guys to hear from some of the players in this game, though. And we'll have all that for you guys but this, this is the type of game that has to give you some sort of resurgence into the idea. Not necessarily that they can win games without Donovan, without Mobley, without Garland. That's insane. Jared Allen was the only one out of the starting lineup, out of the core four, that was there tonight. What this game showed you against a, a less than mediocre Utah team, they, they showed you fight, though. Max Struess was hitting threes left and right. Sam Merrill who for the first how many weeks that he existed on this planet in my or, or in my orbit, I called him Sam Morell like he was the comedian, had 27 tonight on 8 of 14 from three-point land. I mean, he was unreal. You had every player off the bench in double digits in scoring. Niang, Thompson, Levert, and then Sam. You beat the Jazz by 8. It was closer to 15 than it felt like it was 8. And Utah hit over 50% from the field and didn't lay down. Man, it was weird seeing Colin Sexton on the court again, right? Marketing is what it was, but it was weird seeing Colin Sexton back on the court. His mannerisms, still like, they came back, they popped back up, and he was like, oh, wow, there's, there's Sexton. And he made some nice plays. I'm not saying he didn't. He made some nice plays. But there were some interesting moments in this game. Let's unpack it. And I know, this is not the game that I need to go crazy about the Cavs because ultimately you're winning with a bunch of backups. This team is not going to the postseason on the backs of Sam Merrill. But for one game, to surprise you like this and to show you this fight, I think it's a beautiful thing. 216-474-0092. You impressed with the Cavs and how much can a game like this matter 
for convincing Donovan Mitchell and convincing the front office to keep Donovan Mitchell until the end of the season. You'll hear from J.B. Bakerstab. You'll hear from everybody else. We'll get to that. we got the fan focus coming your way at 10 o'clock. It's overtime with Jonathan Beatle in here with you on the fan. All righty, back in a year on the fan. It's overtime with Jonathan Beatle. And right now we're talking about the Cavs as they got the win. I Listen, I'm not saying this win needs to invoke a bunch of confidence in everybody in the Cavs. That's not what this win was for. Although it is nice, that's not what this win is for. The fact that this bench, and that's what it was, the bench, when Sam Merrill is putting up 27 points, Karis Avert scoring 23, they just showed fight. That's all it is. It just showed fight. And, and listen, we'll have uh, JB Bickerstaff audio when it wraps up. It just I imagine JB right now is in the locker room just pumping up all of these guys. I, I They ran out of dog chains, I'm sure, to give out of people. I think they only have one, but maybe they like made 12 of them for tonight's game because top to bottom, when you have all four players off the bench in tonight's game, all score in double digits in scoring, you shot 45% from three. If you replace these names with the normal names that are in there, we'd be over the moon with how they played tonight. And I know Utah's not the world's greatest team. We don't need to wax poetic about beating Utah. It's just no Donovan Mitchell, no Evan Mobley, no Darius Garland. Out of the core four, you just have Jared Allen out there. That's a good win. It's a good win. I'm not saying you all of a sudden need to get down to the field house and start acting as if uh, the Cavs... What song can we sing for the Cavs? We always have all these Brown songs and these Guardian songs. What Cavs song can we sing? Can we just start singing all sorts of uh, rah-rah pump-up music for the Cavs? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's a nice win. 124-116, it's good. In a game like tonight where it looked like Laurie Markkinen scored 26, Sexton scored 20, it felt like you're taking on the Cavs of, of uh, you know, Cavs past, so to speak. It's just nice to do this and get this win because I know how much that would have stung. When when it's a Donovan's a late scratch, and then if Colin Sexton and Laurie Markkinen would have led Utah to a dominating win over the wine and gold, it would have been devastating. Based off the conversations, because the previous 48 hours turned into how many hit pieces can the national media write about how Donovan Mitchell doesn't want to be in Cleveland. That's what the previous 24 hours turned into. All sorts of ESPN started off the whole entire festivities with their article by Kevin Pelton. And, and it just it showed a complete lack of respect towards what the Cavs are currently trying to build here, in my estimation. Insinuating they would trade Donovan Mitchell at the deadline is absolute banana land. I, I just I don't believe it's gonna happen. I believe that's a slap in the face to the fans, and I don't think Kobe Altman and company would do that. I think a lot of national NBA writers want that to happen because they want him in New York. They want him on a different team. They don't want him in Cleveland. Tough. Kobe Altman would have to be brain dead to go ahead and trade Donovan Mitchell at the deadline. It's not going to happen. And I know he's not brain dead. I know he's smart. So it's not going to happen. But, uh, but the previous 48 hours was spent with all these people wondering about Donovan Mitchell's status and with reason. Again, Garland's out. Mobley's out. You do have to question the the future for the next couple months about what this team will be. But I'm telling you, they might not win 51 games this year, but they're going to win 44, 45, 46. They're going to have their spot in the postseason. And then everyone will be healthy by the time we tip off for game one of the postseason. And then you got to go from there. 
You got to play a tougher team. You're not going to have the 4-5 matchup. You might even have a play-in game. It's not going to be a cakewalk. But that doesn't mean we got to just wave the white flag and call it a season. One postseason of Donovan Mitchell is not enough. So a game like tonight, getting Sam Merrill in the mix the way that they, that they did, letting him basically have the green light to shoot and score the way he did, that was a good thing. No doubt about it. 216-474-0092. Devin up next on the fan. What's up, Devin? Hey, JP. What's going on, man? Hey, how are you? Good. I, I just I don't know how many times I got to call your show and just and, and ask the the media and the fans to stop trying this trade talks, man. I don't know how many times I got to do it. Um, <laughs> it's, been, it's becoming it's, a full time. It's becoming a full time job. <laughs> it's been the uh, the talk of the the NBA world in the past forty eight hours. It's kind of wild. It has, you know who needs to be the talk of the NBA world is Sam Merrill. I mean, I was in the building tonight, and this guy. I mean, we found our shooter. I mean, we've been begging for a guy to just step up and be able to shoot the ball, and we thought we'd have that with Max Struess and George Dang, not saying that they're not decent shooters, but Sam Merrill was just lighting it up the last few games, and you got to be able to put him out there and give him some playing time because what we've seen with JB over the past couple of years is when we have guys that seem to step up, he seems to eventually not want to play them. So I think this time you definitely got to play this guy. I mean, just the energy that he brought. He was not only just hitting threes, but hustling, diving on the floor, and bringing that uh, that energy. It was wonderful. That's interesting, though, because remember earlier in the year, Craig Porter Jr. went off, and then JB kind of stashed him like he was like a – Got him, right. Yeah, yeah. Now, Sam, I think, is playing so good. I don't know that you can do that because you're right. It's not just the Utah game. That Houston game, he was awesome as well. Absolutely, and once you get healthy, and if this, I think this is sustainable. I think you and I, you know what? We I've been on JB's butt all year long about his coaching, his rotations, all this stuff. But I gotta give him where credit is due. Over these last three games, you've had three major injuries, and Garland Mitchell wasn't injured, but he has an illness, I believe it is. But and uh, Evan Moley being out, he's you know what? He's really stepped up to the plate and and got his team back on the winning track. So I'm excited. And uh, but please, guys, for the love of God, enough with the middle Mitchell trade. Like I can't, I can't do it anymore, man. I can't, I can't. <laughs> All right, thank you, Devin. I can't make a promise to you on that one. You know what's interesting though? It's a, it's a little like Kevin Stefanski. In, in a, in a, stay with me for a second. Stefanski is getting a lot of praise. Stefanski's winning while doing it without Deshaun Watson, though, right? And so at the end of the day, you're still wondering to yourself, well, how great can Stefanski be with Deshaun Watson? JB's getting some praise in the previous couple games, had that great overtime win against Houston, had the win tonight against Utah, and he's like, he's doing it with a lot of different players that he normally wouldn't expect to win it and win with, but can he do it when Mobley comes back? And can we see Mobley get better and better? Can he do it when you have Garland in the mix? Can he do it when you have Donovan Mitchell out on the court with everybody else in the core four? Because ultimately, that's really what he's being judged on. He's not being judged on how great can he get Sam Morrell off the bench to be. He's being judged off of how great can he get the core four to all be together. I think that's got to be something that when we take a step back, we got to give him his kudos. We got to give him his credit. But we also have to take a step back and recognize that's not really the test we're asking J.B. Bickerstaff to pass. The test we're asking him to pass is be great with Mobley. Be great with Garland. Be great with Donovan Mitchell. Jared Allen. Not necessarily be great with, you know, Niang, Thompson, Levert, and Sam Merrill coming off the bench score in 27. I don't know. He might force his hand, though. It's a fascinating point in whether or not we can have Sam, 
be that Max Struess-esque role. Obviously not taking over the role for Max Struess because you paid him $64 million. That's our guy. And by the way, Struess did score 18 on 50% from three tonight. He was good. But maybe he takes over the Karras Avert role, even though Avert himself had a nice night as well. Maybe he takes over that type of role, that instant offense off the bench that has just kind of plagued this team in recent years. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two on Twitter. There you can find me. I am at JP and we'll get you JB Bickerstaff. We got JB. All right, we're gonna get you JB Bickerstaff in just a moment. His thoughts after what he had to say. One twenty four, one sixteen. Cavs with a big time win. JB was at the podium for a little bit because he had to. I imagine had to give off uh, kudos and props to everybody else. This is the head coach of the Cavs after the win. Here we go. Uh, I think that's the, you know, what we've been stressing. Um, You know, this isn't going to be a one person kind of lift us up Uh, when your back's against the wall, your down bodies. You know, the only way you come out on top is if you do it together. And I thought our guys have, you know, done a phenomenal job of just picking up the slack. Um, You know, I thought we did a great job of sharing the basketball um, you know, defensively trying to protect each other, especially in that fourth quarter. I thought we were really good defensively. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's again, it speaks to the character of these guys and their willingness to sacrifice for the greater good. Sam had 19 on Monday night, which was a career high for him, and then 27 tonight on eight made three-pointers. How cool is it to see a developmental story like that really just take hold of an opportunity? I mean, again, it just speaks to the work that he puts in every single day. Um, You know, this isn't something that just, you know, just happened overnight. Um, You know, you watch him work tirelessly um, every single day, and he works at game speed, so these reps aren't new to him. Um, But, you know, I mean, like, this is what the NBA is about. It's about making dreams come true. Um, And, you know, he's worked his tail off, um, and he's definitely making his dream come true. Cleveland.com. Coach, a couple weeks ago, you were shooting 33s a game. Now you're up to shooting 40 in the last couple, 50 tonight. What has been that change that you have seen the need for? Uh, I mean, we, you know, obviously you're missing some pieces. So offensively, you have to make some adjustments. Um, And, you know, playing, you know, a little bit more the analytics game um, and paying attention to, you know, your shot types a little bit more. Uh, understanding the value of the three-point shot, um, you know, and obviously the guys that are taking them and how we're creating them. You know, they're not a lot of just one-on-one pull-ups. It's a lot of ball movement and sharing the game and creating for one another. You know I mean? Like 34 assists on 45 made field goals uh, is big time. And, you know, that means everybody's involved. That means everybody's sharing it. You know, you look at it, everybody who played had an assist. Um, So, you know, again, that's kind of what we need to do. Um, and the guys are taking to it. And you're talking about Craig Porter Jr. being ready. I mean, stepping up for Donovan tonight because of the illness. What have you seen from him, especially tonight, with being on triple-double watch? Uh, I mean, he's just, you know, really, really mature um, and understands the game at a high level. Uh, And he does things that, you know, most guards, you know, typically can't do. (laughs) Um, You know, he rebounds the ball in traffic. you know, he gets deflections, he blocks shots, uh, you know, he just plays much bigger than his size. So, um, but again, it's a poise and understanding of who he is uh, and then going out um, and playing with confidence and his teammates trust. All right. Good stuff right there from JB Bickerstaff. We come on back. 
We're going to get to off the beat, or excuse me, fan focus. Two nights in a row we did that. We're going to get to the fan focus, uh, including we have a conspiracy theory from the, the big boss, Andy Roth. Go ahead. All right, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. We got all sorts of different things. We got uh, we got Ken, we got Anthony, we got everybody else in there. But I promise you, there's a conspiracy theory afloat. Here we go. We'll taste. We'll taste. Here we go. I think that's Lima. No way. You think that's Lima? Yep. All right. What was the big boss talking about? We got some Browns in there as well. Big 10 o'clock hour. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on the fan.